Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast, helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. And we're your hosts, Mark and Crystal Lawley. This is a brand new prepping podcast to help everyday people become better prepared. From everything from a dead battery to full-blown Stuff hits the fan situations. We promise we're going to keep the language clean. Let's get started with a little bit about us, your host. We were high school sweethearts. We reconnected and been married for five years last month. We're the parents of four wonderful girls and the grandparents of six, four boys and two girls. We live in North Alabama near the Tennessee-Alabama border. We're Christians and we're committed to Jesus Christ, but this is not a religious broadcast. Our relationship with Jesus Christ, we believe, is prepping for life after this one. We're practical preppers. We're the author of two books, Making Contact During Emergencies and Practical Prepping for Everyday People. Let me tell you a little bit about Mark. He serves as full-time deputy sheriff in a North Alabama county. He was a paramedic for 19 years. He has served in a number of disaster relief roles across the southeast. He has an extra-class amateur radio operating license. His call sign is KI4DHS. He's been involved in ARIES, which stands for Amateur Radio Emergency Services, supporting the National Weather Service and several local emergency management agencies. His prepper journey evolved from when he was a young man camping 4 by 4 in the woods. He recalls the blizzard of 93. <laughs> Folks around here still talk about it. Uh, he's worked natural disasters, and sometimes he sees the potential for civil unrest. Let me tell you a little about Krista. Krista became really interesting in prepping after we married. But as a single lady and stretching her money, she made bulk purchases. She used coupons. She did BOGO offerings, buy one, get one. She stored food. She didn't think of herself as a prepper, only that she was stocked up. She is a tech-level amateur radio operator, and her call sign is KN4CMT. And she's currently studying for her general uh, exam. She's owned several businesses. She's taught school. She is a professional musician, singer, songwriter, and recording artist, and she toured for 15 years. She co-writes and edits our books. She co-hosts this uh, podcast. She maintains our Facebook page, and she answers our email as well as well as managing all of our fruit preps here at home. Our fruit preps? Our fruit preps. (laughs) Food preps. So what do we prep for? The best term is called general prepping. Preparing for power outages, not being able to go to the grocery store, you know, the normal emergencies of life, things like having a flat tire or dead battery, running out of gas, or a medical emergency. If you focus on those primary five areas, food and water, medical, uh, security, those kinds of things, if you're preparing for the everyday things, general prepping, as we call it, 
then you'll be prepared for pretty much anything that comes our way. Mm-hmm. Um, we were pretty well set when the coronavirus lockdown hit, and um, we virus was never on our radar. We had not thought of something like that as far as actually prepping for it. I don't think anybody did. and Not many. But we were well prepared when that got here, as were a lot of other folks. Now, a little bit about the podcast. And we want to focus on the practical. We don't have an underground bug out bunker. Um, We're not going to tell you to have five years of food stored up. We're not going to say that you aren't a prepper unless you have certain pieces of equipment or that you must have our books. They'll make getting started a little easier, but honestly, you can be a prepper without them. So what this podcast is about is practical prepping, prepping for the most likely threats that we will face. In our area, that's weather-related events. Uh, We have tornadoes and every few years an ice storm or a snow event, and that usually lasts till about 10 o'clock in the morning. Down on the south coast, uh, we've recently seen uh, Hurricane Laura. Uh, Those folks, many of them do prep for uh, hurricanes. But in my opinion, the best best way to prep for a a Cat 4 hurricane or an F5 tornado is don't be there. Mm -hmm. Leave. In the west or the northwest, it can be earthquakes. And as we're seeing now, wildfires. Uh, The east and the south coast um, are the hurricanes and up through the um, eastern side of Florida. But uh, being prepared for those little emergencies we face from time to time, that's what we really want to focus on. And those are the things that aren't necessarily that big at the time, but they're important at the time. We're going to have some things, too, for the established prepper, the one that's been doing this for a while, and intermediate preppers. But we really want to focus right now on the new beginning prepper, especially those who realized during this COVID lockdown that you wished you had been a little better prepared. For the beginning prepper, we're going to share our prepping journey and how you can start prepping on very little money and get ready for your next event. For the established and intermediate preppers, we're going to have something for you too. Maybe it'll be a new idea or a review of a new piece of gear or an important piece of gear. Or sometimes we're actually going to feature special expert guests in a variety of different topics and subjects. So, uh, Mark, why don't you tell some of our listeners who are we lining up to be hearing from in the next few weeks? We've got several folks lining up, uh, several excited to come on to the podcast and share information. We've got a custom knife maker who is uh, going to be with us one night, and uh, he's going to discuss various types and uses and the requirements of a knife that's used for everyday carry or for uh, survival use, things like that. We've actually got a couple of ham radio uh, experts that are lining up, and uh, one of those I'm really excited about, Don Keith. He's the author of quite a few books. The last count I had was uh, 30-something books, and uh, Don's been a friend of mine for a number of years, and he wrote the... um, he wrote a book called Firing Point. He and Don Wallace, uh, Don, um, George Wallace Jr., uh, who was actually a submarine commander, 
Uh, they wrote a book called Firing Point, and um, you might be familiar with it in the movie theaters as a um, uh, movie. They turned it into a movie called um, Final no, Final Patrol was a book, uh, Hunter Killer. A uh, little brain freeze right there for a moment. <laughs> but the movie Hunter Killer, uh, the author of that book, is uh, a ham radio friend, and he's going to be with us discussing uh, ham radio and the uses for that. We've got an EMA director that's uh, going to be coming on, talking about local planning and preparedness. Uh, we also have a beekeeper uh, who's going to talk about what it takes to get started in keeping bees. We've got a paramedic who's going to talk about using tourniquets and stopping bleeding and treating uh, shock. Uh, we've got a guest coming on prepper guns and introducing your children to shooting. Then we've got a very interesting young man, uh, 21 years old, and he started prepping with uh, when he was a 14-year-old uh, with parents who were not preppers. And they have now come to a point where they are prepping as well. But he, he, he prepped as a, a teenager and uh, took preparations with him to college, kept it in his car in case he had to get out of town, and plus the space in his dorm was limited. And um, now he and his parents alike are, um, are preppers. Well, our topic for today, getting started in prepping. Gonna talk about that, Chris? Yeah, we're gonna from time to time we're gonna talk about gear, um, <clears throat> products, and materials that you need to collect. And gear is good, but we're not gonna tell you that you have to have <clears throat> a particular brand of gear. But we will tell you three things that we believe every prepper, in fact, every household must have, and those are a smoke detector a fire extinguisher or a number of fire extinguishers, depending on the size of your home or the multiple stories of your home, a radio that receives NOAA weather alerts. And speaking um, <clears throat> of weather alerts, most of us that have a cell phone do have some sort of a weather app on the phone, and those are helpful and those are good. But it will not replace an actual what we call NOAA, N-O-A-A, NOAA weather radio. Those things are vital and it's it works entirely different than a weather app. It's an entirely different device all on its own and we'll get into that in a minute. For one thing, it will wake you up in the middle of the night. Well, I can't tell you the number of times a tornado has come through this area at 12:30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. People are asleep, it's dark, you don't know that the weather's been changing. You're fast asleep and that NOAA weather radio, you program it to a variety of different ways. And when you've got serious weather concerns and weather like with a tornado, you don't get a whole lot of um, warning. With a hurricane, you get several days of warning. But a, when a tornado warning comes, you've just got moments, minutes, maybe even seconds to jump into action. Well, it's a lot like the smoke detector. The idea is to wake you up mm -hmm. so that you can figure out what's going on. Now, being a weather nerd... Uh, I don't read what comes across the NOAA radio. Uh, I silence the alert, and I turn over here to the computer, and I pull up my radar. And um, 
just look and see what's going on here locally. I pull up about three different devices with, uh, I, I'm a weather nerd. So. Well, he's got National Weather Service on his computer. It's, it's um, you know, that's the guys that are actually putting the warnings out. So he's looking at yeah, that. Yeah, ham radio operators support, or many do, support the National Weather Service. And we feed information to them because that is, um, that, Boots on the ground, eyes on the storm type thing is uh, very important to for the National Weather Service to be able to get that ground truth as to what they're actually seeing, and that helps them to um, to decide whether or not to uh, put a warning out. Uh, saw an example this past week. Uh, there was a possible rotation indicated on the radar. National Weather Service got in touch with one of the ham radio operators who had eyes on that, and there was no rotation there. So they were able to forego the uh, warning in that particular situation and just continue watching that storm. Uh, uh, <clears throat> sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, uh, what I wanted to say to you, I wanted to add something, a fourth item. Uh, the three that we think are most necessary, the smoke detector, fire extinguisher or multiple fire extinguishers, and a NOAA weather radio. But I think we also added a carbon monoxide detector. So probably we need to have four things on our list that we believe are life-saving devices that you really cannot do without. Yeah, and there are some now that are combination smoke detector, combination um, smoke detector and carbon monoxide. Mm -hmm. And that becomes very important when it comes to auxiliary heating. I noticed in Louisiana that uh, more deaths came after uh, the actual hurricane than did the, um, the hurricane itself. And quite several of those were from carbon monoxide poisoning by people using grills indoors or generators indoors. Uh, and you can't do that. You cannot. Um, Gasoline generators are not designed uh, to operate indoor. Uh, neither is your cooking grill. Those are things to be used outside. Uh, but if we're talking about using um, even the, and this is not necessarily an endorsement, but like the little Mr. Buddy or, or Mr. Heater uh, or Heat Buddy, some of the different um, indoor safe, uh, portable, Kerosene type? Either? No, they're not kerosene. They're propane. Oh, okay. And they they feed off the little propane one pound propane bottles. Oh yeah. Uh, even with those, even though they're listed, and if you're going to use it inside, folks, it's got to be one that is um, rated for indoor use. Uh, anything else has got to be vented. Even your fireplace with fire logs, unless you have ventless fire logs then that fireplace has got to be vented. So uh, that that very good call there with the carbon monoxide detector if we have to go to or when we have to go to auxiliary heat. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, some skills. Uh, we're going to talk about some skills that uh, you should have or you should learn. And one of those that every prepper should have, every person, everybody, um, I don't know, 10 years old and above, and that's the skill of being able to perform CPR. Uh, you're much more likely to need to use CPR for a family member than you are to need to use a firearm to protect your family. 
you've got about a four-minute window uh, from the time someone's heart stops beating until brain damage can begin to occur. So learn CPR. Uh, you might just save a life. Uh, it's offered by the Red Cross, the American Heart Association. You can check with your local fire department. They often offer different CPR classes. Mm -hmm. And let me say this. If you call 911, uh, 911 uh, will give you pre-arrival instructions. And one of the things that they will do is try to talk you through uh, doing CPR until medical help gets there. So point being there, um, don't be afraid to try. Uh, even if you are not certain what you're doing, uh, trying uh, is better than not trying because if you don't try, I guarantee you they're dead. And so uh, might be dead is better than dead any day. Let me point out when you're talking about CPR that there's <clears throat> there's two ways of looking at CPR. One is for adults, young adults, or pre-adolescent kids, and there's an entirely different technique of CPR for infants. I uh, recently saw a video where uh, a mother and a grandmother ran and saw a uniformed police officer. The mother was carrying a lifeless baby in her arms, and she was panicking. All she knew to do was she saw a police officer, she ran to the police officer, and the police officer immediately dove into infant CPR. He squatted down on the ground. The baby goes onto the top of the thigh. It's an entirely different technique because of the little baby's body. And CPR training, I've been through it. I went through it as a classroom school teacher when we learned both the young adult and adult style, and we also learned the infant style. You may as well learn every bit of CPR that you can because you're more likely to actually need it for a family member or a friend than to on a strange you know use it on a stranger so many times we're out with our family and our friends and it's that those types of occasions sometimes at home or out at an event or somewhere where suddenly someone stops breathing you got to want to know what to do so cpr very well could save a life do look into it you can become certified in cpr and it's an extremely important skill to have we highly recommend it a couple of other things that you'll get during that now we were also taught in paramedic school uh, how to do CPR on an infant while you're walking, or more likely running. Uh, you were taught to do mm -hmm. CPR until medical help could get there. Right. We were the medical help that was coming. So, uh, and you can actually be moving. And with an infant, that's the only thing that you can actually be moving and doing CPR on at the same time. Uh, anything else, you have to stop and uh, move your patient. A couple of other things that you'll get there is the um, Heimlich maneuver is usually mm -hmm. taught in CPR classes. And now the uh, AED, uh, Automatic Electronic Defibrillator, will uh, be taught in most of these classes. And uh, you see those in schools, businesses, office buildings, churches, a lot of places that have a number of people there. Uh, have AEDs. You'll see them installed on the wall. And when you need it, it's not the time to be learning it. You can do that. It has instructions on there. If I'm the one laying on the ground, please feel free to go ahead and uh, try. You know, It's got cartoon descriptions on there. 
this pad goes here, this pad goes here, push this button, and then it tells you whether or not to shock. And it will even tell you to stand back and push the button. So uh, uh, it, it's great training there that you'll be able to get. Now, one of the things that we're going to be talking about uh, uh, quite regularly is uh, storing food and water. Now, our system of um, uh, storing food is storing what we will actually eat. And so um, we, we definitely advocate that. Krista, introduce how we do our food prepping system. Well, this is part of what, <clears throat> what we want to tell you about. We don't want you to go and take $2,000 to the grocery store tonight and start buying your prepping food. Absolutely not. That's not an affordable way to go. It's very simple. You're going to go to the grocery store or wherever it is that you purchase your food, or you're going to even have a grocery delivery service. However you get your groceries, if you'll pick up an, an extra item, an extra can, an extra bag of rice or dried beans, uh, an extra box of something that's not perishable, and if you'll put that extra can or box or bag away, put it aside to start building your prepper cabinet, your prepper pantry, I call it. Um, you know, it starts small, but just each time you go to the store, pick up another can or two. Great time to take advantage of some of those buy one, get one half price or some of the stores have buy two, get three free sometimes. I've even seen that. And you can begin to build your prepper pantry over time. And then you can even shop your pantry. I have done it. I've been building my prepper pantry for about five or six years already. And so the food that I've already got stored in there are foods that we're going to normally eat anyway. So I'll go into my prepper pantry from time to time, rotate out some of the foods that are in there. We'll consume them as we normally would, and then I'll just replace them on another grocery visit. And I've even got my prepper pantry segregated in terms of I have canned meats in one section, I've got canned soups in a section, canned vegetables in a section, canned fruits, and I do that because it just makes my being able to keep up with what I have and how much I have, and if I'm looking for meats, I know where to look. If I'm looking for fruits, I know where to look. I don't have to spend a lot of time pulling cans in and out, pulling bags in and out, looking for what I'm looking for, and I'll just rotate that out. We also store water. We will purchase gallons of water. Uh, we'll purchase spring water and also distilled water. And we'll rotate that as well. If we've stored water for about a year, and in one case we found some, I believe it was some gallons of water that was close to three years old, and we just went ahead and opened those old containers and we just watered our plants with it. We didn't want to drink it. It would have been safe to drink, but it would have had a stale taste. And I don't think my flowers would have complained and the tomatoes did great. Now so, explain <clears throat> why we're buying distilled water. That that sounds kind of funny. Yeah, So right. explain why it is we buy distilled water. Well, Mark uses a CPAP device with a humidifier feature, and distilled water works best in that. I also use a room hum humidifier in uh, on my bedside, and distilled water also works best in there. We like to have ready-to-go distilled water. so It's convenient for us. It's inexpensive. And, well, it's um, about the yeah. same price per gallon if you're, right. if you're stocking up, you know, starting out prepping. Uh, you may eventually want to go to the five-gallon uh, blue water containers. Mm -hmm. or for longer-term storage. For longer-term mm -hmm. because uh, milk jug-type uh, containers are not great for long-term water storage. Mm -hmm. uh, they can leach. 
but um, I just wanted that point to be clear. We're not saying that you have to uh, go buy distilled water, but we buy it because we normally use that. But in a situation where, and I noticed in Louisiana, uh, that some of their water systems have been shut down and are going to be shut down for several weeks. And if it came down to it, we can make coffee out of distilled water. Oh, absolutely. Not a problem. So that that's why we do that. Uh, but uh, just in the beginning, you need to get uh, into some water storage. Uh, a lot of you have kids that go through um, uh, soft drinks. We call them Cokes in the South. It does, you know, Pepsi is a Coke in the South. Everything's sodas. A, you know, <laughs> sodas and pops. And, mm-hmm. But the two-liter bottles, they are very good for uh, long-term water storage, uh, at least in the beginning. And she mentioned buying two items uh, each time you go to the grocery store, and we do that today. We Every time uh, one of us goes to the grocery store, we pick up two items to go into the prepper closet. Now, if you are one that um, shops once a week for groceries in a year's time, that's around 100 items that you've put over into your uh, prepper pantry. Uh, That's enough for 50 meals for one person or 25 meals for two or over a dozen meals for a family of four. So you'll see that stock grow and you don't miss the price, uh, the the cost that a couple of items will will cost you, it it, it doesn't have to be a five dollar can of beef stew. It can be, uh, it can be a three dollar case of um, of um, ramen. Ramen noodle. <laughs> uh, I've got a case of it today. Uh, not a case of ramen. I've got yeah. a case of the brain. Gosh, we lived on ramen freezing. in college. That's a, that was a college meal right there. But let me also point out, too, I didn't mean to jump in, but every family is going to have to prepare for what your particular needs are. And we want to also include the fact some of you do have infants that are on bottles. Some are nursing, but for the ones that are on bottles and formula, you know, you've got to prep for your baby. And you've also got to prep for any pets. Um, You may be in a situation where you may not be able to get to a store. Uh, It could be that they're... There may be some grocery stores that will run real thin and very sparse on some of the things that you normally buy. I have observed that. Toilet paper. I have, yeah, I have seen a grocery store that the, the toilet paper had long been missing, but it, it also began to go real thin on uh, some of the canned goods. And I saw large expanses of empty shelf where canned goods were, and it would be... One here and one there, and so the thought occurred to me: What if I, what if I can't get to a my uh, store to get my pet's food, or what if you know if I were a young mother or father and I had an infant child that needed formula, what if there suddenly wasn't formula for me to go buy tomorrow? I would probably want to have some on my prepper shelf today. So you've got to customize whatever your family's needs are. And address those. And it doesn't make any sense to purchase food you won't eat. That's just wasted money. Only buy the the canned and bagged and boxed items that you're going to to consume. And then use them throughout the year and replace. That's That's just a good use of money. Just rotate it. And then throw in a few things here and there, such as we mentioned toilet paper. Don't forget a manual can opener. Um... Mm-hmm. And buy the good one. Don't buy the ninety-nine cent one at the dollar store. Yeah, no, uh, those we, are no We've good. tried that. Um, buy the good one, 
and um, buy a backup. You, you need at least two can openers. Um, and that noise you hear in the background is one of our two cats who insist on being in the room with us whenever we're anywhere. So you may have heard uh, that cat was going after something and jumped up in the window. And he uh, he doesn't mean to interrupt, but he's he's just being a cat. Those of you that with cats, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The other one weighs 16 pounds, and he got up here and did some typing for me while ago. <laughs> yeah, likes to so. step on the computer. Anyway, back to our uh, topic tonight, getting started. Uh, you throw in those few things, and uh, it won't take long, and you'll be better prepared than over half of the population of America today. So, there you have it, getting started in becoming a practical prepper. Now, our plan is to release a new podcast every week or so for a while, and um, we'll be giving you information uh, along the way about some other things that we're going to add. Uh, Chris, give them information how to get in touch with us and um, take us out. All right. You can find us on Facebook. <clears throat> we are listed as Practical Prepping. And our email is info at practicalprepping.info. Oh, is it Practical Preppers is our Facebook? I thought it was Practical Prepping. Anyway, look for Practical Preppers. You'll see Mark and Crystal Lawley, us on Facebook. Our website is being completed at this time. When it's ready, it'll be www.practicalprepping.info. We will announce the launch of the website on our Facebook page at the time. The Facebook page is Practical Preppers. Practical Preppers. So I was right. You were. <laughs> All right. That's great. Listen, folks, we thank you for listening to our Practical Prepping Podcast. We appreciate your attention. We also welcome your ideas, your thoughts, your tips, your tricks, your hacks, and your ideas. Uh, there's a lot of good information that can be shared. We want to hear from you, so please do reach out to us. Stuff happens, so stay prepared.